It is the last week of April, and that usually means the first round of the NBA playoffs are coming to an end, and that is the case for a couple of teams. The Spurs and the Cavaliers swept their opponents this past weekend. We will talk to our NBA correspondent today about the remaining playoff games. Plus, we will talk about the NFL draft. We will also talk about college football on the Stingray and Tuck Show today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we get you ready for the NBA playoffs round two. afternoon guys and thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Stingray and Tuck show. I am one of your hosts Stephen Ray along with my co-host Landon Tuck Tucker I guess I should say and uh, Landon are you doing pretty good today buddy? I am well Stephen I hope you're doing great. Uh, there's been some excellent NBA playoff games uh, so far um, obviously with, with everything coming to an end in Kobe's career last week wrapping that up now we're getting into the NBA playoffs with all the current NBA greatness, and so we've got some good good stuff to talk about today. And uh, this past weekend, uh, the Stingray and Tuck Show, both of us were down in Hattiesburg covering the uh, spring game for Southern Miss. We will have uh, post-game comments coming up later on in the show, but I think we need to start now with the most interesting news of the day. Yesterday um, broke the story of Tom Brady, and he has been suspended for the first four games of the 2016 season, and that will really impact the New England Patriots. Landon, how do you think that will impact them over the first four weeks of the 2016 season? Well, Stephen, here's an interesting thing about that. Is their, their first four games, they end up playing the Cardinals, Texans, uh, Buffalo Bills, and Miami Dolphins, uh, a.k.a. that means they're going to be going 3-1. I don't think they're going to beat Arizona, but I think they'll have no problem beating the Texans, Bills, and Dolphins. So I think they'll be just fine. However, it's going to be interesting to see how or if Tom Brady can recuperate after being away for four weeks. Yes, and also in uh, other NFL news, uh, Johnny Manziel is back in the news once again uh, as he has been indicted on assault charges. What are your thoughts about uh, Johnny Manziel? And we will talk to our NFL correspondent about that topic just a little bit later on here on the show but Landon what are your thoughts about Johnny football yeah I just don't get it I, I you know we, I think we've talked about it before we were on our first show this guy's a bonehead I don't I don't know any other way to put it is after a while he it's gonna be interesting to see will he even play in the NFL again I, I don't know I don't know if an NFL GM or owner would even take them do you I do not. Um, I think he's uh, burned too many bridges and uh, is just too immature. I mean, at some point, uh, as a as a young adult, you have to grow up, you have to mature, and he has yet to do that. And also, uh, we did not mention this, but his uh, agent fired him. Now, that's a little odd, but uh, he decided not to continue to uh, work with Johnny Manziel because of all the stuff he has been doing. So I think it's pretty much a lost cause for Johnny Manziel because they tried rehab and it didn't work. So what do you do now? Yeah, you know, I'm a firm believer that there's redemption for anybody and everybody 
but you have to be able to help yourself too, you know, and, and that just seems like he can't, he'll never be able to get it. I know, and he's tried to help himself, but he continues to go back to his same old ways once he gets out and, you know, he comes out and says, you know what, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do this, and then it happens again. And now he doesn't have a team because the Cleveland Browns have dropped him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this game of football is great, and you will not be able to play it forever. Eventually your body's going to get too old, you won't be able to play it. So this is time he should be taking advantage of that instead of wasting it. And so, and also, what does he have to fall back on now? Because he left school early, his junior year down at Texas A&M. You know, I really don't know if there's anything he could really, uh, you know, back this up with other than playing college football. Yeah, and well, the good I mean, thing, I mean, NFL football. NFL football, yes. yes. Well, his family does come from oil, oil money, so you know, financially, he'll be fine. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't know what he does. I don't know if he's a, a DJ from now on. I don't know. I don't know. People probably want him at, his, at their parties, I'd imagine. So maybe he can get paid for that. Who knows? Yes. All right. More interesting news uh, over the past weekend: Steph Curry, the wonderful player for the uh, and pretty much the All Star of the Golden State Warriors goes down on Sunday and strains his MCL in his knee, and he will not return for the Golden State Warriors for two weeks. Now, I personally think that that might be troublesome for the Warriors going forward with round two and possibly round three of the playoffs coming up. What are your thoughts about the Warriors losing Steph Curry? Yeah, you know, you mentioned we don't really know, and he might be out longer than that. Uh, he might try to make it shorter than that. But let's say it is exactly two weeks as it is. I'll tell you, I think Golden State has the best bench uh, probably in the NBA, if not second. Um, and, and so I think they'll, they'll be just fine. The way it shapes up with them, they're about to beat uh, beat the Rockets. And the next series is the winner of Portland Trailblazers, uh, the Portland Trailblazers and Clippers. And the Clippers, yes. And that's looking up to be like a seven-game series. So there, he's going to have time to heal while the other team plays. And let me correct myself. He will not be back in two weeks. They are going to reevaluate his mm. knee in two weeks. Mm. That's Yeah, that's a tough blow. But I will tell you, Clay Thompson is a baller. Draymond Green is fantastic. One of the players that was uh, possibly an NBA Player of the Year guy uh, like I said they have a great bench so I think they'll be just fine and you know last year at this time or a little bit later on but uh the Cavaliers had their injury issues maybe it's the Warriors turn and maybe the Warriors need to prove that they can win without Steph Curry yeah and (laughs) that's one of those things that'd be very interesting if they got to the finals and Steph Curry was out you know, I don't really know if it's comparable to Cleveland because Cleveland had two all-stars yes. uh, to where the Golden State will only have one. But I will tell you, Steph Curry is much better, in my opinion, than Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. Maybe not combined. And in other NBA news, the Lakers head coach Byron Scott was let go this past weekend after a record of an abysmal 38-126. and So now Kobe's gone. The coach is gone. Landon, where do the Lakers go from here? Uh, they're going to have to shoot up a prayer or something because they, they're in a terrible, terrible spot. The only good news is that they have secured a spot uh, in the top five in the NBA draft. So 
they're going to have a shot to be able to get one of those very good players, and that that's where they should go from there. They need to hire a coach beforehand, though, so they need to get this done quick. Did you ever think, you know, when the, the Lakers were winning all those championships with Kobe and Shaq, did you ever think that the Clippers would ever be the team of L.A.? They are now. Well, here's the thing, and, and I, I don't 100% agree with that, and here's why. Because what Kobe Bryant did in his final night in the NBA was incredible. And I think some of the people saw that extra flair of, of how the Lakers used to be. Now, when Phil Jackson left uh, after the last championships of the 2010s, yes. uh, that's when things started going downhill. I think if they can grab a superstar, if they can grab someone who can really take this crowd uh, of L.A. by storm, I think they're right back in it. But obviously the Clippers are a better team right now and have been for the past three years. And who do you think that that player would be to replace Kobe? Depending on where they go. Uh, well, uh, first of all, I don't think there's ever any replacing Kobe, but yes. whoever can take the best opportunity at it. Um, say they, they pick in the top three. Um, you know, I, I don't feel like you go very wrong with a Ben Simmons. Yes. Um, or with a Brandon or, Ingram. Or with a Tyler Eulis from Kentucky. Tyler Eulis looks, looks like a guy who could, who could definitely be an additional piece. Um, but they definitely need to go on free agency. They have the extra money now that Kobe Bryant's contract and everything's gone. Now you can spend that and get somebody good. Would you possibly take a chance on bringing Dwight Howard back again now that Kobe is gone? Because you remember when he was there before, Kobe and he clashed. Kobe is gone now, so Dwight Howard might be a franchise-type player for the Lakers. The only only problem, I don't think Dwight Howard fits with this era of NBA anymore. I think even six years ago, it's a different NBA than it is now. Remember, the Warriors won a championship last year playing Draymond Green at center. Draymond Green's six foot seven. That's an inch taller than Kobe Bryant. So yes. I don't think you have to be a, this massive back to the basket uh, center nowadays. I think a guy uh, like Jalil Okafor, who, who maybe is better on the offensive end rather than defensive end, is a better center in today's NBA. A guy who's quick and lateral. Dwight is just more of a larger, big defensive guy. He's not an offensive scorer at all. All right. Now we are going to switch gears and talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. They are back in the news uh, this past weekend. And actually, as of yesterday, because Sam Bradford, their quarterback, told the organization that he wanted to opt out of his contract and be traded. Uh, Where do you think Sam Bradford goes because of that. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens because there, almost every team, really you could look at every team that missed the playoffs needs a quarterback, right? Yes. So you, let's just go ahead and say 16 teams need a quarterback really bad. Um, any one of those guys in, in exchange for a pick, you know, later a, a third, fourth-round pick. But Bradford wants to get out of there, and I, I really don't blame him at all because if, if, if you were working a job and, so, and your boss hired a real young gun hotshot to take your spot, I wouldn't feel very comfortable either. No, but, you know, another thing, another knock on Sam Bradford would be he unfortunately cannot stay healthy. So do you take a chance on getting him and he be a guy on the bench because he's injured? I think so, and here's why. Let's pretend we're the Cleveland Browns, who have zero options yeah. at quarterback. Yes. Right. Um, you and I could run out there right now, and we'd be equivalent to whatever they have. Um, and I think a team like that could, could use Sam Bradford because even though he's kind of injury-riddled and kind of inconsistent, he's better than what they have had. 
So I would absolutely think that Sam Bradford will be given a chance somewhere. Uh, he's not he's not a complete NFL bust either. I mean, he, he's had his opportunities. He is by no means great, um, but he's a guy who can play a little bit. And also we have some news about a cornerback uh, from the yes. Carolina Panthers, and I'm going to turn it over to Landon to explain that whole situation. Yes, yes. Josh Norman has been officially signed uh, by the Washington Redskins. And so here's, here's something kind of interesting. Is the Carolina Panthers uh, had a franchise tag that they're going to implement for uh, Josh Norman because they, they just cannot get a long-term deal done. They're missing the mark. Sources say that Norman was asking for too much money, and so eventually they just broke it off. Washington Redskins signed him, and here's, here's why this is a treat for the entire NFL. In that division, in that NFC division, that means Josh Norman is going to play Odell Beckham Jr. twice <laughs> and Des Bryant twice. So we, have, we just have this very interesting thing that's going to happen now with, uh, with, those, two, with those guys facing up each year because um, he already started enough controversy last year with, uh, with facing Des Bryant and with facing Odell Beckham Jr. Remember, they kind of had a little bit of a clash uh, at some point late in the season. So that's going to be really great to see. Washington is a very interesting team now because they have a little defense coming together. Kirk Cousins proved that he can win some games and get you to the playoffs. Um, you, have, you have a little bit older options at wide receiver with Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon. Um, and, and you have an offensive line that needs a little bit of work. But this is a team that looks like they can really contend uh, along with signing Josh Norman to this uh, to this contract, and they've got uh, Robert Griffin the third out of their hair because every sign, every time it seemed like he take the fi- or took the field, uh, it was injury, injury, injury. So now they've got that out of their hair, and uh, he's gone to Cleveland now. Yeah, yeah, that's true, and and I think that Kirk Cousins could have a better year this year since Robert Griffin's not really breathing down his neck. Yes, he's not worried about him being there. I mean, he had a good year last year while Griffin was there. So I'm, I'm very interested to see. Redskins might be one of those guys, teams, that surprise you and make the playoffs with the Cowboys being down and the Giants just playing out being inconsistent. And with a new coach up there, too, because Tom Coughlin Yes, yeah, Tom, Tom, Tom Coughlin, Coughlin uh, <laughs> is, is out. So we will see. That's going to be a very interesting matchup. Yes. All right, well, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get back into the uh, NBA. We have our NBA correspondent. Plus, we are going to talk about the our, our experience down at Southern Miss. That and much, much more coming up on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Stingray and Tuck Show only on the Stingray and Tuck Show.com. Hey, MSU fans and alumni, this is Landon Tucker from the Stingray and Tuck Show. Look, are you interested in some awesome cowbell embroidered polos and t shirts? What about awesome-looking caps and unique cowbell clothing items such as belts, bags, and pet accessories? All you have to do is go to cowbellclothing.com and pick them up there. Welcome back inside the Stingray and Tuck Show, and now we are going to get into our NBA discussion, more of our NBA discussion with our NBA correspondent, and we are about to call him right now. Yes, we will be able to get some great... Great insight uh, about these playoffs and about the Western and Eastern Division uh, as we will get into our NBA talk, our first NBA call.
this is Matt. Hey, Matthew. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, Matt. How you doing? Uh, we are fantastic. Matthew, this is Landon from, from the Stingray and Tuck Show. Uh, and how about you give our, give our listeners, give our guests, a kind of an introduction of yourself and what you do? I'm a columnist and uh, a contributor to ESPN San Antonio, and I'm the deputy editor for 48 Minutes of Hell and uh, just overall contributor for Real GM. Uh, have been with SB Nation and the True Hoop Network in the past. So, um, among other things, yeah, I've, I've been around. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. That's, that's, that's a pretty awesome resume. Um, so kind of jumping in to the NBA playoffs, Matthew, um, you know, people, it seems like, are so kind of consumed with the Warriors. And, and you know, they're fun. And Seth Curry and, and watching Clay shoot a thousand threes, you know, it's fun. But people forget about San Antonio and their dominance. Um, overall, do you feel like San Antonio could win a seven-game series with a healthy Steph Curry? Um, I don't believe that they would be favored. We, we, I think the traditional sense of uh, basketball, and especially when you look at the, uh, the media, especially that is in place when you look at places like PT and ESPN, they have a lot of, uh, they have a lot of former players where um, they are used to the traditional sense of how basketball is played. But Golden State has sort of broken through some boundaries. Uh, they're, they're a different team, and, and they're, they're not just – it's not like they're shooting threes or jacking up threes and, and being inconsistent or inefficient. Uh, they're doing so very efficiently. Uh, the, the Spurs are well-equipped to defend them, um, and this is sort of, I think, one of the interesting subplots of the Spurs-Warriors thing. Uh, you can stand the Steph Curry injury situation. But the Spurs have defended the Warriors very, very well this season. Uh, I don't think that that's necessarily going to be the problem when these two teams meet. And, and uh, you know, honestly, hopefully Steph is good to go like 100%. Hopefully they can get through the Clippers. I'm not even sure that that's going to be realistic considering the fact that Steph is going to be out for two weeks. Uh, and not even just out two weeks, um, reevaluated in two weeks. So that could mean longer. Um, but the Spurs have a chance, a really good chance to beat them because they defend them very well. It's going to be, it's all going to be about whether or not they are able to penetrate their defense because Golden State defends the Spurs very well. The Spurs have done this in the past. They've they've beaten really good Oklahoma City defenses. They've beaten really good uh, Miami Heat defenses over the past, you know, three and four years. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see. I, I, I honestly, I hope that we get to see a healthy Steph Curry uh, and a healthy Golden State Warriors and a healthy San Antonio Spurs team go up against one another. Matt, you know, over in the East, you know, the East is very widely considered uh, the, you know, the weaker of the two divisions, um, and that's pretty obvious. But with, with the Cavaliers sweeping a, a very promising Detroit Pistons team, I, I think they're going to be great in the future. Um, but with them sweeping the Pistons in the East, is there anyone who can really challenge Cleveland in the East? Uh, yeah, I think uh, Miami Heat can do it. Um, I, I actually think, and, and right now, as, as we speak, 
Charlotte and Miami, uh, Charlotte is, is out to a big lead. Um, but I think the one I think the one matchup that we all want to see is Miami versus Cleveland because I, I think there's that mental dynamic involved in that situation where LeBron is is playing against Dwayne Wade, he's playing against uh, well some of his old guys. I mean, it looks like Chris Bosh probably won't play yeah. again this postseason. Um, but just the just the idea of having to go to Miami and having to face that crowd and having to play in front of that crowd, and Cleveland is not invincible. So um, I actually think that the Miami-Cleveland series would be really, really interesting. I am hoping for it. I want it to happen um, just from an aesthetic and, and entertainment standpoint. I think a lot of people want to see that series. Um so, yeah, I think that there are going to be teams that can challenge uh, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, it's just it's going to be interesting to see how these teams, on right now on paper, like you look at the Raptors, you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, you look at even the, the Atlanta Hawks who are playing really well and still being pressured by Boston, uh, but they're playing very well offensively and defensively, and they're a team that can sort of spread apart that Cavaliers defense. So it, it, it sort of feels a little bit like last year where you kind of looked at the landscape and you thought, you know, there are a couple of teams here that might be able to beat the Cavs and then they wipe them out. And, and I don't know if that's going to be the case again. I just don't because now, now we're looking at a healthy Kevin Love who was uh, lost for the rest of the postseason in the first round last year. We're looking at a healthy Kyrie Irving who was lost in the finals. So, um, if this team stays healthy, uh, on paper, they're better than anybody in the conference. But, man, I would love, love to see a Miami Heat-Cleveland Cavaliers Eastern Conference Finals because I think that there would be some mind games involved there uh, that there wouldn't be with any other team. Yeah, and, you know, Matthew, obviously that's going to be very interesting to see how, if, how or if the Cavs do come out of the East. I think everyone's kind of praying for a rematch of the finals last year because they feel like Cleveland didn't really get a, get a fair shot and, and LeBron did all he could and then some. And So this year, Matthew, who do, you, who do you have? Obviously, you know, you do a lot of work for the Spurs, but who do you have in the finals? And also, who do you feel like are going to be our 2016 NBA champs? Uh, I mean, I think it's really – I think this is a really difficult point to ask that question because – Look, uh, with this Stephen Curry injury, uh, and, and this, isn't, this isn't anything to take lightly, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers are playing really well. Yes, they lost game three to the Portland Trailblazers. I don't, think, uh, I don't think that the Clippers are going to lose that series. But if we get into the second round and we're looking at Golden State playing the Clippers, Without Steph Curry for maybe three or four games, something like that, like at the very least, that's a that's a big problem for the uh, for the Warriors. Um, I think a lot of people look at the Warriors and they see the way that they handled the Rockets in the second half after the Steph Curry injury, the way they over the course of the season, whenever Curry's been off the court. Um, but when you really break down the numbers, the Golden State Warriors have been beaten by, I believe, the total point differential is minus 107 when Steph Curry's off the court this season. 
And and this is a look, I mean, there's a there's a lot of nuance in that. Like they're in blowouts. There are teams that are coming and you know inching into the lead, but they still lose by 15 points or whatever. I mean, got, you know, starters sitting out in the fourth quarter. But the fact of the matter remains. If the Warriors do not have Steph Curry, and especially against a team like the Clippers, they're in trouble. Uh, make no mistake about it. Like, that team, the Los Angeles Clippers, as presently constituted and healthy, is better than, are, are better than the, the Golden State Warriors without Steph Curry. So, um, there is a lot that is going to pan out over the next few weeks. If the Warriors come back healthy if, if or, or I'm sorry, if, if Steph Curry comes back healthy, if this thing, you know, really works itself out, if it's, if it's maybe maybe a little bit less time than they expect he'll be out, uh, if they're able to get to the Western Conference Finals, if the Spurs are even able to get to the Western Conference Finals against the Oklahoma City Thunder, because that's going to be a challenge in itself. I think this next round is going to be an absolute, um, absolutely unbelievable uh, set of series to watch in the Western Conference uh, semifinals. Um, it, it, it's just it's really, really difficult to say right now because this Stephen Curry injury changes everything. And I can't stress that enough. Um, beforehand, I would have said to you, this is the Warriors' season to lose. Um, not saying the Spurs can beat them, both were at full strength, but I mean, just overwhelmingly in their odds, they are, they have clearly been the best team all season long, um, but man, there's so much left to be, uh, to be viewed and to be analyzed over the next two weeks, that it's almost impossible to, to tell at this point, but um, if, if Golden State and if, Steph, if, if they're damaged by this uh, Steph Curry injury, and if Steph Curry is not able to uh, respond, if he's not able to rec- uh, able to recover in the in the in the timely fashion, then this is the this is the Spurs uh, season to lose at this point. Um, it's it's going to be interesting because again, if he comes back and firing away and he's fine, then uh, then that changes a lot but they're sort of the next in line. It's Golden State, if Steph is healthy, and then right behind them is the Spurs. So uh, this is going to be really fascinating to watch over the next two weeks. Hey, Matt, this is Steven uh, from the Stingray and Tuck Show. Um, I have a two-part question for you. One, what has Kobe Bryant meant to the NBA? And the second part of that one is, where did the L.A. Lakers go from here post-Kobe? Well, I mean, Kobe, Kobe Bryant has meant, and maybe this is, um, he, I feel like he's meant more to the culture of the NBA than he even has with his impact on the league, even in terms of rings won and MVPs won and all of that sort of uh, all of that sort of stuff, um, which is crazy to say because he's won five of them. So uh, Kobe is a cultural icon, and he is one of those guys that just I mean, look at look at what happened on that final night of the regular season. Like look at all the 
inmates and the people that came back to that to that court, to that arena, just to show up for his last game, just to sit in those seats and look at the prices of the tickets. I mean, this guy has – look, I was one of the first people to criticize his contract over the last two years was awful. Uh, nearly $50 million for two years. It absolutely hamstrung the Lakers franchise in their ability to sign anybody because they just couldn't uh, because of the hard cap in the NBA or the, I, I guess, it's called the soft cap, actually, but I don't want to get into the um, minutia there. Um, but, look, as, as unbelievable as this guy was as a player, um, probably top 10 to 15 of all time, he was even bigger as a, as a cultural icon, as a, uh, as a guy who brought people in, as a guy who sold tickets. Everyone wants to see Kobe Bryant. And you, you brought it up earlier. I'm someone who's covered the Spurs for, for uh, I've covered the Spurs since 2011, a lot of games. I'm sitting in that arena covering that team, and half of the arena, when the Lakers are there, even when they're bad, half of the arena is Lakers fans. It's unbelievable the sort of magnitude or the sort of gravity that this guy uh, commands. So uh, the NBA is going to miss. He is sort of the icon culturally of that generation, of the KG, uh, Kobe, Duncan, um, etc. cetera, uh, generation. He is He's going to be missed, and I, I was absolutely riveted, and I couldn't look away from that final night of the of, of his regular season, his final game, when he when he dropped 60, and it was and, and those final like three minutes where he couldn't miss a shot, where it was an absolute treat to watch it. Uh, the NBA is going to miss him. The NBA will miss him. He has his flaws. He has his, um, you know random moments in history that are going to be looked down upon, but in the end, uh, that guy's going to be, in terms of in terms of the brand of the NBA, Kobe Bryant's going to be up there uh, with the best of them for, for all time. Okay, and one final question for you. Um, you're out in Texas, of course. What are you hearing about Dwight Howard do you think the Rockets are going to trade him? And if so, where do you think Dwight will end up uh, next? Well, he has a, he has a player option. Um, so he, he may even opt out of it. It's a huge player option. He's probably not going to get paid the same as like, it's something like $25 million for uh, the upcoming season. Um, and I'm not sure if, Someone would be willing to pay him that sort of money, uh, but I think that I think that it looks a little bit like he's having a hard time in Houston. I mean, I don't think it's even that uh, that much of a question. So it's tough for me to say where he's going to end up because he is a very polarizing figure, and um, there are a lot of people around the league who do not believe that he is same thing that he that he once was and he's not uh physically speaking athletically speaking he's not really the same thing that he was um and that's you look back to 2010 2011 he was an mvp candidate uh that's back when he was the 
Defensive Player of the Year. He was one of the best players in the league, and clearly his back issues, his knee issues, all of the above have, have affected him. Um, I think it's going to – I have a feeling, I have a feeling uh, that it's going to come down to a team – that is willing to pay him a little bit of money. Maybe not the – he might, if he wants the max, he might be, you know, leap out of luck. Uh, nobody's going to want to give him the max, especially considering the escalating salary cap and, and the amount of money that's going to be available to spend. Uh, but I'm, I'm wondering, I'm, I'm really wondering if Dwight Howard is going to want to sacrifice a few, a few dollars to go join a legitimate contender. And um, I, I couldn't tell you, I honestly couldn't tell you, I've sort of speculated on my own because I've seen or I've heard Greg Popovich just sort of mention the, the dominance of Dwight Howard in the past. But this is, again, this is, this is like four or five years ago. This is, this is a different Dwight Howard now. Um, but it would not surprise me if he opted out of and Rockets uh, contract that he's in, and it is lucrative. Again, he's set to make like $25 million this next season. Wow. Um, it, would not, it would not surprise me if he opted out of that and signed a you know, four- or five-year deal for a little bit less than that, and, and maybe, who knows, I'm throwing numbers out there, but uh, something in the range of $15 million a year uh, to sign with a team that can afford it long term, and um, I've it, it, it's a team like the San Antonio Spurs who might be Tim Duncan retire, might be Mono Ginobili retire, have a little bit of flexibility in, in, in on their own end, saying like let's we can trade Danny Green and, and create a little bit of space. Uh, at least some space to, to offer a significant tra- uh, contract to a guy like Dwight Howard, and they already have two max guys on their on their roster, so it would probably take some sort of sacrifice from a guy like Dwight Howard. But I think that you look at, I mean, look at look at the Rockets right now. Look at the way they look. Look at the um, the way their chemistry looks. Look at the way uh, they're playing these games. They look terrible. Um, so this might be a chance for Dwight to get out. I just don't know if, if people are going to be able to pay uh, the amount of money that he's looking for. So I think that's going to be the big question when it comes to Dwight Howard. Well, thank you, Matt, for your time of coming on the show. Yeah, Matt, you are uh, absolutely professional. You follow him on Twitter, uh, at Matthew underscore Tynan, uh, obviously ESPN San Antonio. Um, has a lot of information on the Spurs and also a lot of information on the NBA, and we hope to have you on in the future, Matt. Yeah, man, I, I enjoyed it, you guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have All a good right. night. You too. You too. All right. Well, that was kind of a long segment, so we are going to take a short break, and when we come back, we are going to continue our discussion about the NBA playoffs. That's on the other side. You're listening to the Stingray and Tuck Show. 
Hey guys, this is Stingray, host of the Stingray and Tuck Show here to tell you about Oz Music in Tuscaloosa. They have new and used CDs, DVDs, LPs, posters, and quick special orders with a 10% discount. You can contact Oz Music at 758-1222. Once again, that's 758-1222. Oz Music supports your local record store. Oz Music is located in the Parkview Shopping Center behind Flowers Bakery in Tuscaloosa. Check them out. Welcome back inside the Stingray and Tuck show. And the, on the other side of the break, we talked with our NBA correspondent, Matt Tynan. And um, he had a lot of things to say uh, with the playoffs. And now we are going to continue on with the NBA playoffs as last night. Uh, the series is now tied between the Heat and... And the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets. Yes, I almost called them Bobcats, <laughs> but they are no longer the Bobcats. But uh, Charlotte and uh, the Miami Heat are now tied. Like we said before, uh, the Spurs swept uh, Memphis on Sunday, and Cleveland swept Detroit. So a lot of the first round games of the playoffs have not that have not been that competitive, but some have. Yeah, you know, and, and it's going to be a very interesting uh, matchup as it goes along. I think the Heat and, and the Hornets, I really didn't think – I thought this would really be a game that was probably over – or series, pardon me, that would be over in five games. They look like they are poised and ready to go seven full games. I bet Michael Jordan's very proud of his Hornets. Yes, I completely agree. And uh, on the other side, uh, it's going to be real interesting to see – uh, what happens between the Clippers and the Portland Trailblazers, how that one wraps up. And also, now that Steph Curry is out, could the Rockets potentially come back and make it a series with Golden State? What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, you know, I just uh, I just don't see that, see that happening. Um, and, you know, it, it's something that obviously they could. It could happen. Um, but for Game 5, it's going to be in Golden State. But I will tell you, Stephen, if the Rockets can win Game 5 and beat Golden State, guess where Game 6 is? Back in Houston. So, And if they win that one, it's going to be all for nothing Game 7 in Golden State. But I think this one's going to be over, um, over finally. Even though Steph's not going to be a part of the game, I just think they're just too powerful. And the Rockets don't have much going for them other than James Harden. And maybe every now and then Dwight Howard. He has good games. He has bad games. He gets frustrated and he goes to the bench, blah, 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 blah. We've seen that saga happen again, and I'm pretty much tired of it. Aren't you? I am. And I'll tell you what, tonight we have a great NBA treat. Uh, the Indiana Pacers are going to be playing Toronto. Uh, and, but, and that game is 2-2 as well. Yeah, that's a game that – that's a series. Remember, I talked about this uh, last week. I said that was going to be one of the best series – uh, in, in this playoffs, and so far it has been just that. It's been great. It's been back and forth. Uh, game five is going to be in Toronto. Also, Stephen, are you surprised that the Celtics and Hawks are so competitive at five? At uh, excuse me, two two now. You know, I, I don't. I think that was another series that I thought was going to be good. I actually, um, I would have said since Boston was being so, was on a hot roll that they might have taken it. But then again, Atlanta's been good for the past three to four years. So I think Atlanta overall wins this series. But 
Do not be surprised if this one goes seven games, Stephen. It is going to be fantastic. And tonight's matchup is going to be in Atlanta with the home crowd. That could really help the Hawks there in Atlanta in that series. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The home, home crowd is going to be cheering for them. Uh, tomorrow night, we have Miami playing uh, Charlotte in game five. That's going to be fantastic after a really good game uh, last night. Then also, of course, the Clippers and Portland will be playing too. Who do you have winning between Portland and, uh, and the Clippers? I just think it's going to have to be the Clippers because uh, Blake Griffin's playing lights out since he came back from his suspension. So I really feel like the Clippers uh, are going are gonna to take that series uh, right now. I, I'm not a Blake Griffin fan, per se. I mean, I respect, but I, I'm not a fan. But uh, I think they get it done. You know, I, I think it's a great – I think it's going to be a great series either way. It has been so far. Um, and Blake Griffin's making a, making a contribution, that's for sure. The size, the pure size that, that they have on Portland's big men is, is pretty insane. But I will tell you, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum are insane. I mean, they are playing so great. And so if they can get someone down low, I really think Portland could be a great, great contender in the years to come. I have two questions for you to wrap up this segment or talk about the, talking about the NBA one of them is, what do you think the future is for both teams that got sweeped this past weekend, Detroit and Memphis? Where do both teams go into next season? Yeah, well, very opposite spectrums. Detroit's going to be just fine. Detroit is one of those teams, I, I honestly, if LeBron was not in Cleveland or some sort of different thing, Detroit's a great team. Andre Drummond, the rebound leader, is in. I mean, he's incredible. He had games of 26 rebounds. 24 rebounds, 22 rebounds this season. He's, he's insane. He's going to be just fine. Reggie Jackson, they got something with him. Tobias Smith, they required him through trade with Magic. Um, I think they're going to be just fine. Um, and then you kind of swing over to Memphis. Memphis is getting older. You can see that because other players were playing in the series versus San Antonio. They're all hurt, all old, and on their canes. Um, you know, joking, obviously, but uh, Mike, Mike Conley is a guy. He's getting older. He's still got some in his tank. Gasol has some in his tank, too. But don't be surprised if next year the Memphis Grizzlies are a lot slower and, and a lot slower out of the gate next year. Uh, what about you? I completely agree. And uh, yesterday, real quick, we want to uh, wish um, Tim Duncan a happy belated 40th birthday. And we actually have a little bit of clips from the Spurs after they beat the Memphis Grizzlies and swept them this past weekend, we have uh, real quick uh, words from Popovich, and we also have uh, Tim. Not, not. I'm sorry, not Tim Duncan. Tony Parker. Well, I think you know all the series in the playoffs are, are more aggressive uh, than during the regular year, as far as physicality goes, and uh, everybody's energy's pumped up. And I think that's pretty par for the course, but. Uh, the good thing for us, I think, about the series was that uh, the Grizzlies were fantastic in their their drive, their passion, and their physicality. You know, for 48 minutes every game, and you know we found a quarter here and there in each game where we spread ourselves, but that was it. Uh, other than that, you know, they they played us even. I think you know Dave and his staff and those players deserve a lot of credit. It's not just false praise; uh, they really do because it wasn't a fair fight, and they didn't care. You know, whoever was available came out and played, and they executed to the best of their ability. And as I said, they played with a lot of heart, a lot of fortitude. So uh, that that will serve them well as they move forward next season for sure. 
from our part, uh, that physicality will, will help us, I think, in the next round. And you know, Landon, you're right. Uh, you know, the moniker that Mississippi State uses is play with relentless effort. And um, that's pretty much what the Memphis Grizzlies did. I mean, it was the next person up, but uh, all in all, and in the, in the end, uh, too many injuries cost that team the entire series. Yeah, it's an absolute shame. You know, Zach Randolph, if that's your best bet, you can't, he can't win it by himself. So, you know, they'll be fine. But you come back next year, maybe go into the draft, get somebody a little bit younger. You know, their, their contracts with Gasol and Conley don't take all their cap space up. You have a little bit of wiggle room, um, but not much. So they need to go in there and add a nice younger compliment uh, so that does not get injured. And here is what Tony Parker of the Spurs also had to say about the series sweep of the Memphis Grizzlies this past weekend. Well, you have to give them a, a lot of credit. You know, they they fought very hard. Uh, obviously, they have a lot of injuries, so it was not the same. Uh, had some great battles, you know, against the Grizzlies over the years in the playoffs, and you just have to give a lot of credit because they, they tried, and uh, it was just uh, too hard, you know, too many injuries. And, of course, we want to thank Spurs.com for allowing us to pick up that audio, and hopefully we can continue to grab audio uh, from the Spurs as they continue on towards the uh, Western Conference Finals and possibly another NBA championship. Yes, yes, we are going to be looking forward to that. These NBA playoffs have been tremendous so far. There's not a lot of blowouts. Uh, there's been a lot of good close series, and uh, we're going to see as we go on. Um, and next week we'll definitely review that. Make sure you pay attention to the StingrayandTuckShow.com to see the latest articles about the NBA playoffs this week. Now... We are going to talk about our experience down at Southern Miss and also other spring football from this past weekend. Yeah, yeah, we had a had a really fantastic weekend in Hattiesburg. Uh, the people people in Southern Miss were really, really uh, generous and and kind folks. who really enjoyed our stay there. It's also very beautiful. Uh, the campus is fantastic. So. Uh, we'll look forward to looking at some Golden Eagle football, I'm sure, during the fall season. Oh, absolutely. And let's go ahead and talk about the game. Um, the uh, Garnet beat the black team 10-7. to And here is what Coach, first-year head coach Jay Hobson had to say about the overall play of the game Saturday. Well, you know, certainly we'll go back and watch the film. I thought uh, defensively we, we tackled well. I think that's probably the thing that, that showed up the most. Uh, I thought uh, up front we did a pretty good job on the defensive line. Uh, we had a few missed opportunities. You know, we had a few long balls there that uh, I counted as quarterback sacks as they just got to the quarterback before he let it go. But uh, I was, thought the defense had a pretty good day. Yeah, Landon, you know, uh, Coach Hobson is right. Uh, the defense had a total of six sacks on the day and just continuously pressured the quarterbacks. Overall, what was your thought about the defense on Saturday? Yeah, I think they got a lot of pressure. I mean, that's one thing. If they were not sacking the quarterback, and obviously it's not a full tackle, but it's whenever they're able to grab that red jersey, that's as credited as a sack in the spring games. Um, but they were able to give – very good pressure the entire game. You know, you mentioned you know, with Tyrone Poole there um, getting, getting two sacks himself. Um, you know, obviously Nick Mullins is the star of that team, but they did not want him to get hurt. He only threw 10 passes during the day uh, for 35 yards. Uh, a guy that Coach Hobson mentioned uh, is now the leader for backup quarterback was Quandra Griggs, uh, who had a pretty nice day. He was 13 of 27 throwing for 133 yards and a touchdown. 
Uh, also threw one interception. I think a guy that Southern Miss is going to rely on uh, during this year is a very, very young guy in freshman Patrick Brooks. Uh, Brooks is a guy who ran for 84 yards and 13 attempts. Uh, his longest run of the day was actually 27 yards. So he's a guy uh, that absolutely made a great impact on the day. And actually, Landon has a question, and here we have a soundbite of what the question and answer from Brooks. <laughs> Obviously, with a, with a coaching change, there's going to be some different things. How much more comfortable is it with a guy like Nick under center? Uh, definitely comfortable. You know, he's a veteran. You know, he's... He, he's the man. He, he knows everything on the field. He calls the shot. He's, he's our captain. He's our leader. So we all just fall off to him. Yeah, and obviously he's 100% right. You know, Nick Mullins is the star of the team. And so for a freshman, man, I bet that is very relaxing coming in. You know, he did spend a year being redshirted, so he's in the system. But playing in, in high school football and having a high school quarterback is very different than having a leader in Nick Mullins. And so um, I'm sure he is very comfortable having a senior like Nick Mullins lead that offense. And, you know, they're going to need all the comfort they can get on offense because they start out on the road at SEC Kentucky and then also later in the year travel down to Death Valley to take on the LSU Tigers. Yes, October 15th in Death Valley. That's going to be an interesting one. Don't write Southern Miss off. You know, they are a team that has competed over the past few years and now uh, having a guy like DJ Thomas, a wide receiver, they uh, they can definitely make some noise. So. And if you will remember back in 1996, I was talking to one of the guys up in the press box. The last time Southern Miss went down to LSU, they walked out with a last-second field goal and beat the Tigers in Tiger Stadium. So don't ever count out those Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Absolutely not. Now, 20 years ago, who cares? Who cares? They can can still pull it off. But we had a great time there, and we are really looking forward uh, to Southern Miss football in the future. And I had the privilege of asking Nick Mullins, uh, the quarterback that we've been talking about, what the future holds, and here is what he had to say about that. What are your expectations for this fall? Uh, you know, we obviously have our goals, conference championship, bowl game, you know, all those things. But um, it's really important for us to uh, just take each day, um, one day at a time, and, uh, you know, work hard on that, that one day. And uh, I think that's one thing that's going to be a big focus for us is day by day, give it all your all, give it your all on that one day, and uh, that's how we'll have success. And, of course, like we said, we want to thank all the fine people down at Southern Miss for allowing us to have the media passes, and we hope to continue to work with them in the future. But, you know, uh, Landon, uh, they were not the only ones this past weekend having their spring game. Uh, Arkansas, uh, the SEC West foe, also had their spring game this past weekend, and Arkansas had a uh, pretty decent crowd on hand of 20,000, and, uh, um, you know, they're coming into this year with a uh, brand-new backfield and also a brand-new quarterback under center. Overall, what are your thoughts about Arkansas this spring? You know, Arkansas is a team The last year people were very disappointed because they, they thought they were poised and ready to have a good year. They were, they were very good late in the year. And early in the year, that, that loss to Toledo still stings for them, I'm sure. Yes. Um, but having a guy like Austin Allen there, you know, the brother, obviously, of Brandon Allen, uh, he's going to be interesting to see. You know, he, he, was, he was so-so. He was 13 or 19 passing uh, for 141 yards, did not throw an interception. So that's a plus. Uh, their defensive line uh, with, with obviously, uh, Detrius Wise Jr. Uh, being their sack leader last year had two sacks in this spring game. So I think if they can find – 
you know, Hunter Henry's not there anymore. That's, that really hurts. He's going to make a great impact in the NFL. Uh, they can find a target of tight end to throw to um, and, and somebody at, at running back who will be consistent. I think they're going to be okay, but I don't think they are a top-notch Western team. Do you? I do not, and not, not yet anyway. But uh, here is what Brett Co- head coach Brett Bielema had to say about the overall uh, spring for the Racerbacks. Well, uh, first, a beautiful day, and thanks for all the Hog fans showing up. Um, I want to give as big a crowd as we could there before the La Tech game. That'll be our only opportunity to, uh, to do that. And, and had a lot of young guys playing uh, for the first time and, and that kind of exposure. So uh, I thought that was really positive uh, on the day overall. You know, we wanted to get out of here healthy, and that happened. Um, uh, besides that, you got to take a little bit of uh, in consideration when we're playing against each other when things go uh, well with one side of the ball, it's used to be because the other side isn't, and I uh, have to take it into effect a little bit. Our defense all spring, I thought, has played extremely well. They've tackled efficiently. Um, they've done a lot of really, really good things day in and day out, which tells me it's not a fluke. It's, it's uh, they're trained, they're coached, they're, they're responding and, and doing a lot of really good things. I think you saw that in particular in the first half. I thought our ones had some some miscues in the first half offensively that uh, just come from, from playing more and more football. Guys got to get out there and uh, uh, compete and practice and do the things that we ask them to do. And, you know, like Landon said, Austin uh, went 13 of 19 for one, 141 with no touchdowns and no interceptions. And that's pretty decent for a spring game. And here's what head coach Brett Bielema had to say about his quarterback's play during the spring. I thought Austin uh, did some good things. Um, he had some miscues in the first half that weren't his. You know, he had a, a drop pass by Dominic Reed. He had Keon drop the easy touchdown on the, on the sideline sweep over there. He had a, a couple guys uh, break down in protection, which allowed some pressure on him. So a lot of things that we got to get better at um, on the offensive with the ones, defensively the ones. Didn't see much out there. They broke free on one play, uh, let a receiver get cut loose, but they ran it down and tackled efficiently. Uh, for the most part, they've been doing that all spring. And, man, I'm going to tell you what, the uh, the return of Keon Hatcher is going to be huge for that offense because, you know, all last year he did not play due to injury, and that's a guy that they really need without a backfield with both Alex Collins and Williams both going to the NFL. Yeah, you know, I, I, see, uh, I see with – with him returning, anytime you have a very experienced guy returning in the SEC can definitely help your new quarterback with Austin Allen. So uh, maybe an experienced guy like Hatcher can help Allen, uh, Allen's starting career. Yes. And for the audio from Arkansas, we want to thank John R. Neighbors, uh, the uh, host of ESPN 99.5 up in northwest Arkansas. You can follow him at, at Old Row Shambeau on Twitter or also at the Forum John. And hopefully we can continue to work with uh, John Neighbors out of uh, Northwest Arkansas to continue to pull uh, Arkansas uh, sound bites for you guys here on the Stingray and Tuck Show. All right, well, we're going to take a short break and when we come back, we're going to get into the NFL draft and talk more about that. And also, Landon is going to have his very own mock draft for you guys. That and much more coming up on the Stingray and Tuck Show. Welcome back inside the Stingray and Tuck Show. And now we are going to get into 
the NFL draft with our NFL correspondent, and we are about to call him right now. Yes, yes, our NFL correspondent, Colton Dodgson, we are going to be asking him who he thinks the Rams are going to pick number one. Is it solidified or not? Hello? Hey, Colton, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good. Steven, how are you? I'm doing good. How you doing, man? This is this is Landon Tucker from the Stingray and Tuck Show. And I'm Stingray. Absolutely. We're really excited to have you on. Colton, how about you take a second to give uh, give our audience kind of a preview of who you are and what you do? Uh, well, my name is Colton Dodson. I'm a uh, sophomore at Arizona State University uh, studying sports journalism at the Cronkite School. Um, I cover let's see, ASU hockey, ASU baseball, and ASU football. Um, and I'm also an intern with the Arizona Republic right now. Um, I do Sometimes I'll do different radio appearances here and there, but uh, I do a lot of writing. I do some on-camera stuff as well. So just a little bit of everything. But, yeah, that's, that's sort of what I'm about. <laughs> Absolutely. Colton, you know, so obviously we have the Rams picking first. And, you know, they're moving back to Los Angeles, and they get the number one pick. It's you know, kind of a storybook sort of beginning for them. Um, a lot of sources have kind of come out saying that they think Jared Goff is going to be number one to the Rams. Do you feel the same way, or do you feel like someone else might sneak up in that spot? Well, you know, I do feel the same way. I feel like Jared Goff is one of those guys that, you know, he might take a little longer to sort of uh, progress into that sort of franchise guy that the, the Rams hope they, they can get out of him. But at the same time, I think he, between him and Carson Wentz, because it's obviously going to be one of those two guys at number one, I think Jared Goff is the more uh, pro-ready of the two. Um, and that sort of stems, in my mind, that sort of stems from his ability to sort of throw the long ball, as, as odd as that sounds. But last season, uh, between the two, Goff and Wentz, Jared Goff uh, completed, let's see, he completed 45.6% of his passes longer than 20 yards. And that was ninth best among the Power 5 quarterbacks. So he's got the ability to sort of step in and, you know, throw that long ball. Um, and in addition, you sort of look at uh, what the Rams have right now. They got Todd Gurley in the backfield. They have a, a pretty serviceable defense. And it seems like they might just be a quarterback away from, you know, maybe getting past that 7-9 and nine or, you know, 8-8 eight and eight threshold that they've sort of hovered around for the past couple of years. But to answer your question, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Jared Goff. I feel like Jared Goff is going to be the pick. And uh, Carson Wentz is going to be number two. Um, but, yeah, Jared Goff is who I'm going to go with. <laughs> All right. So, and, and you mentioned Philadelphia is picking two, that, a trade-up. Um, and now Sam Bradford saying he wants a trade. Do you feel like Philadelphia could surprise people and stay with Bradford and pick someone else at two? Or do you feel like they absolutely picked up, uh, went to two to pick whoever uh, the Rams did not select? You know, it's funny you mentioned that because the second the Eagles made that deal, and Howie Roseman started, you know, addressing the media and talking about stuff. One thing that really stood out to me that Roseman said was that they are absolutely certain who they want is going to be there at number two. And when he said that, it sort of threw me for a loop because I'm thinking, okay, how do they know for certain what the team in front of them is going to do? You don't trade to number two and say that you know for sure the guy you want is going to be there because, you know, it, it's sort of odd to me. I don't think... You know, he gave uh, the GM of the Rams a call and asked him, you know, who are you going to pick definitively? And he 100% trusted what that guy told him. And 
you know, sold the farm from the trade-up to number two. Um, so for him to be so sure that who he wants is going to be there at number two, that sort of threw me off a little bit. Um, I, I'm not 100% sold, just like everybody else is. I'm not 100% or everybody else seems to be sold. not 100% sold that the pick is going to be a quarterback just yet. Until I hear Roger Goodell say Carson Wentz, I'm not 100% sure that it's going to be a quarterback. And, you know, previously, before the trade, a lot of reports were saying that the Eagles were enamored with Ohio State running back Ezekiel Elliott. Um, and scouts have been absolutely raving about Elliott also, talking about how he's one of the most complete running back prospects that we've seen in a long time. So with all of that being said, sort of look at the draft order before the trade, see the Dallas Cowboys there at number four, they're also very high on Elliott, comparing him to Emmett Smith. You look at that offensive line, and if the Cowboys get somebody like Elliott to run behind that line, it could hurt the Eagles for a long time. If they're just as high as the Cowboys were, they must have looked at it and said, hey, you know, we, we got to jump in front of them to be able to get this guy. And I think that's the only other scenario if they don't go quarterback. Um, they, they could also go tons. will try to shore up that offensive line to when Jason Peters leaves. Um, but, you know, that, that you mentioned it, and that scenario has sort of, you know, stuck around in my mind a little bit. Uh, but it's going to be very interesting to see because you did say Bradford has requested the trade. Um, the Eagles have yet to give him permission to seek that trade. Um, so, you know, just got to give it three more days. And right now it seems like everything is sort of blowing up around Philadelphia. So I am extremely excited to see what they're going to do. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you mentioned that that Tunsil might be the guy they're trying to get to, to make sure they kind of sure up Sam Bradford. Um, but also, you know, kind of mentioning Ole Miss, Robert Nikimdichie obviously was the number one overall recruit uh, back in 2013. Um, now he goes into this draft. He, he's, he was not as productive as people really thought he would be. He's also gotten some off-the-field issues. Do you feel like he's a guy who's going to fall to the late round? Or do you feel like NFL teams might say, look, this guy's very talented and they might swoop him up early? You know, I think with uh, Kandichi, he's got to go to the right locker room. I think he's got to go to a locker room where he's got a bunch of guys who are playing at a very high level who are going to help him mature a little bit and get him to that point where, you know, he's ready to be a a productive NFL player. Um, You know, I've seen him in different mocks I've been paying attention to and different things that I've been hearing different analysts say and everything leading up to the draft. I've seen him everywhere from you know, first round to the Raiders to mid to late second round. Um, But the the Raiders are a very interesting fit to me because they have guys like, you know, uh, Khalil Mack and the the difference, that defense is very up and coming and that team is going to be a team that's going to make some noise in the, the, the league next year. And I think if you were to go to the Raiders, maybe in the second round, I think that'd be a great fit for him, but he, he has to go to the right locker room. I think that's what it's going to come down to because you said it. He's a superior talent, but he's got to tap into that talent and make it work at the next level because, you know, even the things I'm hearing out of him worry me a little bit. I heard I heard he wants to, as soon as he's drafted, wants to buy a pet tiger and a bunch of crazy stuff like that. So, you know, some, some stuff like that, just some red flags with maturity and different things like that. So, again... Uh, it's got to be the locker room. I think that's going to be the X factor for him. Hey, um, Colton, this is Stingray. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? 
I'm doing well. All right, we're here in SEC country and um, staying in the state of Mississippi. Where do you see Mississippi stars uh, Chris Jones and Dak Prescott ending up? Okay, with Dak Prescott, I think he's a guy that interests me a lot. I think he is a lot better than people are giving him credit for, a mobile guy. Um, I think Prescott is going to go to somebody like the Cowboys or, you know, the Saints, a team with a veteran quarterback who still has maybe two or three good years ahead of him um, for, for, Prescott, for Prescott to sort of, uh, you know, sit behind and, and pick the brain up, you know, and, and just uh, bridge that gap to the NFL, so to speak. So when, you know, the guy in front of him is sort of ready to, you know, call it a career, uh, Prescott's ready to step up and take the reins of that offense. So I think third to fourth round for Prescott, maybe, uh, yeah, third to fourth round sounds about right for me. Um, and two teams that have really piqued my interest uh, would be the Cowboys and the Saints with, Tony Romo and Drew Brees, each of those guys, obviously not done yet, but getting to the later years of their career. Um, so those two teams, again, are, are really an interesting fit for me for uh, Prescott. All right, and what about Chris Jones? Chris Jones, okay. Um, that one's interesting. I think probably later rounds for him, uh, okay. maybe fourth or fifth round. It's really going to depend on the draft board and, you know, where different teams have him rated because you see it every year. There's a couple guys that sort of sneak up and you know, climb into the, the earlier rounds based off of how different teams have them rated. Uh, I'm going to cite an instance a couple years ago where Marcus Smith of Louisville went first round to the Eagles after a lot of different people, you know, previously had him as a, a third or fourth round talent. Um, it's all going to depend on the different teams, you know, draft boards and how they view the, how they view the talent coming out. Um, but yeah, Chris Jones is an interesting one. He'll be he'll be somebody to keep an eye on. Maybe he'll climb up a little bit. But again, all going to depend on how the front offices view the talent and how they build their draft boards. Okay, and staying in the SEC, where do you see uh, the current Heisman Trophy winner, Derek Henry? Where do you see him winding up? Derrick Henry, um, very early second round for Derrick Henry. I think he's a, a consensus. He's this consensus number two running back in the draft. Okay. Um, I, a lot of different scouts are, are sort of wary of Henry simply because he, he's very reliant on his offensive line. He's not necessarily – Able, I, I don't think he's going to be able to make a lot happen on his own at the next level. I think his uh, his feet get a little stuck, and he's not able to know, you know, have the he doesn't have the shiftiness that, that's sort of needed to make extend those plays at the next level. Um, but I think if the Cowboys decide to pass on Elliott in the first round, uh, maybe go with a guy. Let's say the Chargers take Laramie Tunsil. And if the Cowboys decide they want to go with Jalen Ramsey to sort of shore up that secondary, uh, I think the Cowboys could turn around and grab Derrick Henry in the second. Again, put him behind that offensive line mm-hmm. that seems to make anybody a star. And um, I think Derrick Henry, the, the results would surprise a lot of people with uh, Henry running behind that line. But I think if he, if he goes to the right team, 
with a solid offensive line, Derrick Henry could surprise some people next season. But as far as round projections go, I'm going to stick with that early to mid-second round range. All right, and one final question for you. Um, you know, the <clears throat> excuse me, the Cleveland Browns have uh, been notorious for picking uh, bust players. Who do you think they pick up in this draft, and do you think he will be a bust like the previous ones have been? The Browns are interesting. Um, I think – Hugh Jackson seems to have them in a, a bit of a different mindset this year. Um, I, I think, obviously, you're going to need a couple of drafts to prove it, but they trading back, I think, was the bet, in their best interest. Um, when I heard rumblings that they were trying to take a quarterback at number two, especially after signing Robert Griffin III, who I personally just needed or think needed a change of scenery, I think after you win an offensive rookie of the year, the talent is there. Um, I think Griffin the third might surprise some people this season, but um, as far as the Cleveland Browns go, trading back to number eight was the best thing that they could have done. Um, the one thing that I'm wary about is the sudden climb of guys like Ronnie Stanley and Jack Conklin, uh, Notre Dame and Michigan State guys. They've sort of shot up draft boards, and I've even seen you know them being mocked over Larry Tunzel, which doesn't make any sense to me, but. I think those are the two guys to be wary of would be Ronnie Stanley and Jack Conklin just because, you know, their sudden rise is sort of alarming. Um, but so far, Cleveland has, Cleveland and Tennessee both have sort of, you know, come out on top as far as stockpiling those picks go. And given their history, I think the best strategy for Cleveland this year would limit would be limit the margin of error by accumulating all those picks so that they can they have the volume and it makes it so much more difficult for them to mess up so to speak they have way more opportunity to draft guys early on and you know hopefully the the acquisition of Hugh Jackson I think that might be able to turn the tide for them a little bit um, I don't necessarily see them staying put at number eight um, but if they were to stay put at number eight and the Cowboys were to pass on Ezekiel Elliott, that's one guy. Ezekiel Elliott can go anywhere between two and 13, and that's somebody that I think the Browns could have their eye on. Um, also, those two offensive tackles that I mentioned, who I'm a little nervous about, but those two guys, and uh, I think they trade back again. Maybe the Tennessee Titans feel that there's somebody they want to trade up to get, and I think those two swap. That's going to be my projection for draft day, my, my bold projection. But, yeah, that, that's, that, that's, that's my thoughts on the Cleveland Browns. Okay. Thank you so much, Colton, for coming on tonight. Colton, uh, yeah, absolutely. AZ, AZ Central Sports. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Dutchson, ah, pardon me, Dodson Colton. Um, and we really do appreciate you. Absolutely professional. Uh, we hope to have you on in the future. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Hope to be back. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. And once again, we want to thank Colton for all his uh, expertise on the NFL. And now we are going to turn to Landon to give us his NFL mock draft. All right. Yeah. And and so we pretty much at this point, there could be more trades, but the first two picks are solidified in the LA Rams and the Philadelphia Eagles picking one and two. So first off, I think, 
Phil, pardon me, I think Los Angeles is going to go Jared Goff. He's a California guy. Um, as Colton mentioned, he completed 45% on throws of 20 yards or more. I think if he can if he can get in somewhere with an offensive line that is good. Now, uh, L.A. is not a terrible – pardon me, the, the Rams are not a terrible offensive line. But uh, if they can protect him in his first few years, I think he's going to be very good, especially with the weapons they have at wide receiver. Number two, look, I don't think Philadelphia traded up all the way to number two to pick somebody else other than Carson Wentz. I, I, I don't see it. I could be wrong. They could pick Tunsil. I just I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. So uh, I have the Philadelphia Eagles picking Carson Wentz with the number two pick in the draft. Number three, I think this one's pretty obvious. Uh, the San, San Diego Chargers have been abysmal on the offensive line. Uh, you know, King Dunlap is a guy who, just, who has been really like a ghost. I hadn't even been there. Um, and so I feel like Larry Tunsil can go in there. He can be an absolute stud. Uh, I think he is one of the safest picks in the draft. He is, he is a monster um, and, and appears to, to be well to scouts too. So I think having him protect Phillip Rivers' blind side is going to be great. Uh, then you go into pick number four. The, the uh, Cowboys are going to be selecting Joey Bosa. Go ahead and write it down now. Uh, they can use another edge threat. They already have their defense getting kind of built up. Their offense is pretty good. They do need a quarterback. But after Wentz and Goff already taken, I don't think Paxton Lynch is your franchise guy. I'm sorry. I just don't see it. So pick Joey Bosa. Get a good edge rusher. Number five, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think one of the most talented guys in the draft, a guy who has really blown up over the past two months, Stephen, uh, is, is Jalen Ramsey. Uh, the guy out of Florida State. I think he's going to be the fifth overall player selected for Jacksonville to try to see if they can get that defense a little bit better, which, as you know, has just really struggled uh, in the past. Um, with a sixth pick, the Baltimore Ravens, I think they're going to take Ronnie Staley out of uh, Notre Dame. Uh, Joe Flacco is a guy who right now, right here and now, these, these next probably three to four years are his prime years. You're not going to get any better years. This is a time where he has to come uh, and, be, and be protected so that he can throw to his wide receivers. Uh, you know, we didn't really get to see Perryman, the wide receiver, out of Central Florida last year for him due to injury. Uh, I think him, along with Anquan Bolden, the, those guys are going to be very effective this year if Flacco has time to throw it. Uh, so then pick number seven. This guy's kind of a question mark. Miles Jack obviously went down last year uh, with that injury. The guy to UCLA could be a great, great pick. Uh, and I see him going to San Francisco. Could be wrong, though. Steven, you know how Chip Kelly loves to pick those offensive players. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so we'll see where he goes. Now, number eight, the Cleveland Browns, the dumpster fire of the NFL. Look, I think, I think they're going to pick Paxton Lynch. Um, Steven, do you see them going anywhere else other than a quarterback? I, I really don't. But, you know, Another thing there is they just picked up RG3, so they might go running back, they might go wide receiver, or they might go offensive line or defensive line because all those places really need uh, shoring up up there in Cleveland. Yeah, and, and like we said a few weeks ago, Cleveland is the only team in the NFL that on a consistent basis could use any player at any position. Except <laughs> a punter. Except, I guess except punter, but... <laughs> I mean, literally anywhere. Um, they always need talent because they're always messing up, messing it up. So, um, I see them picking Paxton Lynch. Uh, number nine, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I see them getting Vernon Hargraves. He's a guy out of Florida. Uh, wouldn't be very far from home. He is a shutdown corner. If you look at his stats, they're not overly impressive. Not a ton of interceptions. 
But you have to remember this. Darrell Revis sometimes does not have fantastic stats. Why? Because they throw to the opposite side of the field. So I think Vernon Hargraves is a fantastic pro. Uh, I think he's going to be a very safe pick for Tampa Bay in that secondary. They need to do some more on the defensive line uh, to become a full, uh, a full good staff on defense. Pick number 10, the New York football giants. They have the receiver in Odell Beckham Jr., uh, their offensive line got some shearing up last year with Eric Flowers out of Miami. They have Eli. What do they need? A linebacker. I think they're going to go with Reggie Raglan out of Alabama, a very, very intelligent football player, uh, a guy who's a very good leader uh, of the defense there at Alabama. I think he is, uh, he is something – he's a guy, kind of a cornerstone guy that you can really just say, look, he's going to be our guy for the next eight, nine, ten years. And so I think it's a very safe pick. Really, once you pass, uh, typically once you pass about pick number 15 in the NFL, anything can happen. But here's, here's something about this draft, Stephen, and I'll, you might not disagree with me. I think this is one of the deepest draft classes we've had in a while. I think the defensive line is extremely strong. I think the quarterbacks are eh, so-so. Uh, but I definitely think defensive players, at least, are very strong from what they have been in years before. I completely agree, and the reason that I'm not contributing here is because I did not make my own mock draft, and that's simply because whenever I try to predict something in the future, it never goes my <laughs> way. So guess what? I'm just leaving that to you, and I'll just uh, comment on the after fact and the results uh, next week. So that's why I'm not doing a mock draft, because it never works out in my favor. <laughs> of course, the NFL draft is on Thursday. Uh, it is going to be a fantastic night. I love the NFL draft. It takes a long time to complete, but it is, it is really interesting. So uh, whichever one of those ten picks that I get wrong, go ahead and hound me on them. Who knows? might be all of them. And, and uh, we will be watching intently to see where all the SEC guy, guys go, especially Dak Prescott and Chris Jones, if they can sneak up and be a surprise pick for anybody. I think that this year we could have – and I commented earlier – I think we could definitely have upwards of eight, nine uh, players in the NFL draft in the first round from the SEC. I mean, it's insane. Just to kind of shoot out a few different names, Reggie Raglan, Laramie Tutsell, uh, Ashawn Robinson, Leonard Floyd, uh, Vernon Hargraves, uh, Nikam Dietschy could go, Hunter Henry, Chris Jones, like you said, Laquan Treadwell. I mean, I could literally just keep going and going. There's a lot of talent from the SEC in this draft, and I think we're going to be able to see a lot of it in the first round. And I'm interested to see if anybody will pick up Bear Wilson. I mean, because he's not that fast, but he's a big physical body. Yeah, he, he could go somewhere in, in the later rounds. I, I don't think he'll be early round pick right. whatsoever. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Stingray and Tuck Show. We hope you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, next week, we are going to continue our talk with spring football. We are going to try to either have on the ACC, the Pac-12, or the Big Ten correspondent. We're still trying to work out the details, but we will have one of those guys on next week. We will also continue our uh, talks about the uh, NBA playoffs and, of course, the results and our commentary about the what we just uh, talked about the NFL draft uh, Landon do you have anything else to add before we sign off yeah absolutely uh, make sure you check out stingrayandtuckshow.com 
uh, for, for, late, for the latest articles on the NFL, NBA, and college football. Uh, there's going to be a, a plethora of different articles this week with the NFL draft uh, being decided. Also, the NBA playoffs uh, continue to unfold, so we're going to see what, uh, what what's going to happen. All right, well, that's going to do it, and uh, we hope you guys will enjoy the rest of your day, and also, we hope you enjoy the rest of the NBA playoffs. We will see you guys right back here next week. Have a great weekend.